And then in 2017, I had food poisoning at Christmas. Mm -hmm. My husband and I got food poisoning. He was done with that in a day. I was, I never got over it really. I was, I had acid reflux, went to see doctors, put me on PPIs within days. I had brain fog I'd never seen before. Um, it was crazy. Every night I looked like I was six months pregnant. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the functional diagnostic nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. All right. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show, episode number 307 of the Health Detective Podcast. Uh, very excited for this conversation today. We're going to be talking, oh, I see people already pouring in, so they must want to know how to fix some sleep here at Insomnia. Um, and it's going to be very useful because I was talking to our guest beforehand, and I think it, it literally might be like episode 120 or 140 uh, that we had someone come on and, and really make sleep and insomnia the main focus of the show. Obviously, we'll dive into you know some of your personal story first, but I'm very excited to get into this because I, I dealt with this myself in a sense where I was like doing all this health stuff right, and it was actually the last thing I ever changed uh, was the sleep thing, not because... I wanted it to be the last thing because I found it to be the hardest thing to change. Um, so there's a lot that can go into that, and we'll talk about that all today. But I will read our guest's bio first, and then we'll get into it. So Annika Carroll is the go-to sleep and health coach for women and the proud owner of Sleep Like a Boss. She's all about making sleep coaching down to earth and practical, especially for women dealing with burnout, brain fog, or even bloating. Drawing from her own experiences, Annika gets the struggle of insomnia and burnout firsthand. She's been there, done that twice in the last few years. She knows what it's like to be a type A stress pro riding on stress hormones while casually ignoring what her body was saying. And nowadays, she is on a mission to help ambitious women take the reins of their sleep and sidestep burnout. She gets into the nitty gritty, teaming up with clients to handle the underlying issues affecting their sleep, like gut health, hormones, and how to deal with stress itself. So welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a wonderful compliment to the last podcast that we had just done with Wendy Handy. She was, um, you know, she wasn't talking about sleep, but she definitely, definitely fits that mold of the type A high level professional just going, going, going. Um, she actually described her story to the point of and she didn't even know she had something like ulcerative colitis until she finally was like really into it and got a diagnosis because she had ignored all the other symptoms beforehand. Um, so, so much to dive into here. And I, I think this is a nice compliment uh, to that episode because people are always like, all right, well, good. Now I know how to listen to my body better. That's what we talked about last time. How do we actually rest? How do we get the most out of it? And there's many type A people out there like myself that really want to know, how do I optimize this so that I can still go do a bunch of stuff, <laughs> but maintain my health? So I'll ask you the uh, first question that we always ask anyone on this show. Uh, what did your health symptoms look like when they began and when did they begin? 
you know, and I, I'm, I was thinking about that and it's probably they began almost 20 years ago, but I just did not know the fact that I was constipated almost my entire life. The fact that I ran on stress hormones, like I was go, 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 go. I crashed at night, got up the next day, did that seven days a week. That was already not good. Um, but I didn't really have many symptoms. I did have back pain here and there, some gut issues here and there, but nothing where you would have said detrimental. And then in 2013, I had a very traumatic birth experience. Our son was a super preemie and was in NICU for 12 weeks. And that whole trauma, I totally ignored. Like I was having flashbacks in the middle of the night. I was waking up. I was like, but I was just like, I have to take care of this tiny human now. I'll just go. Like I'm a type A. What do we do? We try to control the situation, right? So I did that. Then eventually I went back to work had a job that I loved, 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 loved. I ran a massive project with like 40 people that I was in charge of. And by the time we got to like the end of the project and it was crunch time, I started waking up every night at like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. To-do lists running through my head. And I was like, oh yeah. Well, and I had no, not much clue about health at that point. I was eating pretty healthily. I was at that point on a vegetarian diet because we were talking about that before. Um, and I was like starting to scroll in the middle of the night on my phone because I was so busy all day, like catching up on the news. And I was just like, yeah, this is going to go away once that project finishes, which it somewhat did. And then in 2017, I had food poisoning at Christmas. Mm -hmm. My husband and I got food poisoning. He was done with that in a day. I was, I never got over it really. I was, I had acid reflux went to see doctors, put me on PPIs. Within days, I had brain fog I'd never seen before. Um, it was crazy. Every night, I looked like I was six months pregnant. And I went to see a GI specialist, and he did even an endoscopy, you know, where they put a little camera down your throat? And they're done that one. <laughs> yes, because he's like, maybe you have age pedal. And then he was really proud when he kind of got me out of the sedation. He's like, oh, I even took a biopsy because we're going to see if you have H. pylori. Nothing comes back. Nothing. And then he's like, he sits next to me. I still remember. He sat next to me. He's like, this is a pamphlet. Look at IBS. I think that's what you have. I'm like, okay, so this is not helping. Then, and then I crashed. Then I literally had, an, it was kind of like a nervous breakdown. My employer was like, cause I was eating bananas on oatmeal. I had only food sensitivities. I couldn't eat anything anymore. And my employer, she was like, maybe work from home for a couple of days just to get a break and come of those PPIs if you can. <laughs> and, um, and then just one morning, my husband came back from groceries. I was doing email and I just sat there shut the computers. I was like, I'm done. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm done. I can't. He's like, what's happening on the couch? Lay there. I couldn't do anything anymore. And he brought me to my PCP and he was actually really good. And he's like, you've been to a GI person. No one's found anything. I'm going to run any test on you. I can. He's like, what else is showing up? I'm like, this acid reflux. I look like I'm pregnant. I have face twitching. Like I literally, my husband's like, do you have a stroke or something? Like literally, he's like, it didn't go away. They ran every test. I was the pinnacle of health. Uh, perfect. Like in the middle of the ranges. Like there was, I'm like, this is fantastic. And um, basically he told me, he's like, go see a psychiatrist because I think there's more going on, which in my point, I know we sometimes dismiss that. In my point, that was fair because of the traumatic birth. Okay. Okay. Thank I you think there was some, there was, 
it was part of the puzzle for me, but it was a tiny puzzle because then I went there and we still had a bajillion symptoms hmm. and that didn't improve. I want to obviously we'll get to you know what resolved all this and what you figured out. But the one thing that I want to touch on beforehand is, you know, it's always so weird for me hearing some of these stories and you say, well, haven't you heard tons of them? And, and I have. But the difference for me that only a fraction of the people that get on the podcast really relate to is that my health symptoms started so damn young, like five years old. I, I can't even remember a time when I wasn't either dealing with health symptoms or on a path to maintain my health, right? That, that'll probably never change. I still do things today that are much different than other people. Thank God I feel great, but it's just different. I live a different life. So what was, but I also have that type A side is my point. So what was your perception like though, going from this, I mean, super high level professional, that's no joke of a job that you were running. Like, what was this like when you start to watch like, oh my gosh, I can't do the things I used to do. And, and all this is happening. Um, and I'm not asking that for the sake of just reliving something that was so terrible, but I know that there's other people out here, especially in our audience, women that are super high performers and they're already carrying the weight of the world, you know, children, all this stuff. And then this happens and now they can't even perform at their job. What was going through your head at the time um, since you didn't know much about health? It was, you know, it was scary to a degree, like especially these like face twitchings and this waking in the middle of the night and not being able, and that, that then came every night. And um, I was like, I'm exhausted. I'm brutally exhausted. My body needs rest and I can't sleep. What the, am I crazy? I was really, am I crazy? And when I started breaking down at work, like when everything got more problematic, it was, yeah, it was kind of, it was scary to a degree because you're like, like, everybody has this expectation of you too because you used to be the high performance. Like, oh, we know we can come to her. She's going to do all this. She's going to juggle a bajillion balls. And all of a sudden they drop on the floor left and right. And you start making excuses and it's like, I'm sorry, I haven't gotten to this. You're going to get that next week. And you always feel behind. And you see all the young kids who you were mentoring and coaching kind of passing by you. And I'm like, this is like something is just really wrong. And I thought it was really scary that nobody had an answer. Yeah. I appreciate you being willing to answer that because I, I think, you know, we don't have to spend too much time on it, but I think it's important for the audience to hear these things because if the audience is clicking on stuff like this, yes, there's a fraction of our people that they're FDN practitioners. They just want to support today and they want to learn. That's fine. But then there's another fraction that they clicked on this video. They might not even know who the heck we are. They clicked mm -hmm. to get help for uh, the title, right? They wanted to see what was going on. And I think it's important for them to get to see, yes, we're on the other sides of these things now. Maybe not perfect, but we're doing okay. Okay enough to get on a podcast and be able yeah, to help others absolutely. and coach others. <laughs> but it, it sometimes can almost seem like so unrealistic when we get on mm -hmm. here and we're doing really well and everything's going good and they forget, no, this is what I felt like at that time. I was scared to death. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. I felt a lack of control. All these things were happening. So yeah, we, we've all been through that too, before we got to the other side of this hill, this mountain for some of us and said, Hey, now I can actually go help other people with this. So we, we got left on this cliffhanger. I loved um, your ability with speaking because you kind of left us here of like, all right, I'm dealing with all this stuff, trying all these tests, don't know what's going on. What was the first thing that finally started moving the needle in the right direction for you where you started to see uh, maybe the other side of that mountain? And you're like, hey, maybe something good's going to happen here. Um, I actually, I was, I felt really helpless and I had never really had any experience outside of Western medicine, like your traditional doctors, right? That's what I kind of always done. I'd seen a cranial sacral therapist for like birth stuff, like scar tissue moving and stuff but that was it 
but I felt so off and I was like, I'm just going to have to call somebody. So I started Googling and found a naturopath in the city that I lived in at that point in Germany. And I called her and I talked to her and she's like, yeah, come in. We'll talk. And that was my first touch point really with call it alternative functional um, profession at that point. And she did run a bajillion tests as well. And I was like, but like the doctor did that. And she was like, I'm really impressed with what your doctor did. He really dove deep. Mm -hmm. That's way more than they normally do. She's like, but we'll find something. And we did. There was some stuff in the gut, nothing actually significant, mm -hmm. but there was something and she helped me with it. And I did get better temporarily temporarily yeah <laughs> until i didn't <laughs> but yes i did get a little better just to be clear then for because this is one of my favorite questions to ask is like always this how do we bridge uh you know, from Western to natural or functional, because even if people deal with a lot of health issues, um, I say this all the time, I'm a broken record. There's some people that unfortunately they'll take their health issues to the grave, literally without mm -hmm. ever trying the natural stuff. So, um, I'm curious why a naturopath, but some people wouldn't even know what that is. Like how, what was the thing that triggered going from Western to naturopath? Because I know that you're running out of options. I fully understand that part, <laughs> but again, many people in this world still to this day would not even know to go to a naturopathic doctor. So was there a friend or, or any influence that triggered you to go to that person specifically? You know what? I think it was, there was, I Googled, I Googled. And <laughs> in Germany, there was a, there is a platform. I forgot the name of it, but it kind of like by city ranks doctors in uh, by professions based on client review. It's kind of like a Google review platform for doctors <laughs> and alternative health professionals. Yeah, I wish we had that everywhere. And it's really cool because some people have, are very, like, people are very open. They're like, this is a great person. Oh, I was really unhappy here because, and people write really like long comments. And so I found her with symptoms that I would, was having. And she was like a pro in gut health, apparently. And people were very happy with her. So I was like, I'm just going to try my best. Like, that's all Fair I can. Enough. Yeah. Okay. So she helped a little bit. It was temporary, uh, which I get. And guys, by the way, we have so many naturopathic physicians uh, that have gone through the FDN course. This is not, none of this ever, especially if it's your first time listening is a condemnation of Western medicine or oh. natural medicine or whatever. It's these people are just doing the system that they were taught. And very often, even naturopathic medicine, the system is not complete uh, for certain people and their health symptoms. So I'm not surprised to hear at all, honestly, that it helped for a little bit. You're moving in the right direction, but then it wasn't the only thing that you needed. Um, so you do that, you realize this was not complete. It's not going to get you to where you want to go. And I know someone like you is not going to quit until you get to where you want to go. What was next after that? What was next after that was actually like, I was doing okay. And then we moved to Canada from Germany. So that's a big thing. I don't know if you've ever moved a family like a home to a different country. It's not that straightforward. Like it takes a lot of energy, right? Um, and I was starting to go downhill again. And I was like, my energy's fading. My sleep issues are coming back. My periods are crazy. Um, this is going to be burnout again. I have to be very careful here. I know the red flags now. Finally, I'm seeing them. I'm going to call another naturopath because that was all I knew at the point. Did that. She ran a Dutch test with me. Disaster complete disaster um but then unfortunately the way she was working didn't work for me like i had issues with her supplementation i tried to get in touch with her she wasn't calling me back so i was like i'm backing off i'm having side effects here i'm not taking this anymore i have no clue how to manage this i'm getting scared i'm not doing it and then i was on social media and i found an fdn 
and she was speaking my language and I was like yes I think she gets me because she gets my symptoms at that point I was starting to have the craziest a week before my period I couldn't move these two fingers anymore I was like am I getting rheumatoid arthritis or like literally I could not bend my fingers anymore and I was starting to get really nervous and um turned out that was just a histamine thing and that the the other doctor could have probably told me about but um, yeah, so I was, and then I was like, you know what, this is going to be like another investment. I've spent quite a bit of money already on like natural pathic help here and testing and stuff. And then was, and my husband's like, like, do you trust this lady? I'm like, yeah, I think I do. Like, she knows what she's talking about. She's helped other people. He's like, it's your health. Just go do it, but just follow her protocol. <laughs> like, okay. Right. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I can do that. Um, I'm type A, but I can take orders too from other people right and so I did it um it was amazing and then it was amazing to see that a year and a half later I started FDN so my own journey with FDN so I then got to do all the testing again and then it was really interesting to see how everything had evolved by then wow so uh, such a one cool story but another perfect example of so many people, and and you might not resonate with this, because again, I think you're just going to go out and, and crush it no matter what. Obviously, you are doing that with Sleep Like a Boss, but a lot of our practitioners graduate. They're very scared of the business side. Like, who would possibly come to me? Uh, this is the type of person that comes to you, right? And it, no, it's not people's first option. Any, this is people, this is controversial in the FDN world. People don't like this. It shouldn't be. Why would the logical thing be to go work with someone with a certification versus a Western medicine doctor? That's not how we're taught from day one. I'd love for it to be that, but that's actually illogical. You would call your friend crazy for doing that. They have to go experience the limitations of these systems before becoming open-minded to something like that. You're never going to work, well, at least at the time of recording this, you are never going to work with someone as an FDN who didn't already try a million different things before coming to you. Um, and that's not bad. That's okay. It's it, again, it'd be wonderful if we can move ourselves up in the rank and I'm sure we will continue to. Um, I think that's a societal shift that's happening almost around the world right now, but right now that's just what's going to happen and that's okay. And so you even said something key. It wasn't the credentials. It wasn't the degrees or whatever. She had symptoms and a story that related to you. She understood you and that's what made you want to work with her, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Cause she'd gone through some of the similar things. Her clients were showing with similar issues and she could explain to me where she thinks some of the issues are lying and how we put the puzzle pieces together. Excellent. What were, um, what were some of the biggest findings uh, for you, like specifically on the labs that were ran? Because I, I know you mentioned like, for example, Dutch disaster, all that stuff, but did you ever figure out and I'll put a disclaimer on this. As FDNs, we don't necessarily pretend to always know the root cause. Uh, one of the brilliant things that the founder of FDN, Reed Davis, actually says is you could run all these tests and you might not actually ever know the specific root cause because if someone's been sick for 10, 20 years, it's almost, uh, it's kind of silly to say that you could know the exact root cause, but certainly we can see the major causal factor. So uh, I'm curious, what was leading you to having all this stuff and feeling like crap when you were doing really well for most of your life prior to that? Um, well, what we found on the first GI map that we took together with the FDN, there was H. pylori. Mm -hmm. Mind you, the biopsy hadn't found it. So maybe I caught it on my, maybe I caught it while I was changing environments to Canada, because I still think that had a huge impact on a gut microbiome too. Like if you, and it takes the body a while to adjust to a new environment like that. But still, I had H. pylori. I had crazy bacterial overgrowth. I had candida through the roof. 
on the GM map. Mm -hmm. I had super low secretory IgA. I had what there wasn't cortisol didn't exist. Sex hormones were still okay, but cortisol was gone. Um, and I, for the first time, knew that I wasn't lactose intolerant. You know, that was the weirdest thing because I was always constipated my entire life. And then I was like, maybe I'm just, maybe I just have to switch to like lactose free products. So I did that. I was like, I'm not really feeling any better. And then we ran a food sensitivity panel and she was like, you know, it's casein, it's not lactose. But I didn't know that at the time that there's different proteins. And all of a sudden, right, it's a, uh, Oh, yeah, that's the answer to the question. Take that out and you'll be a lot better in that department. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting. It was really interesting that there was this overgrowth, that there was a leaky gut, even though I'd done some work on that with the naturopath before. Um, and I was like, no, I had Klebsiella before. That's what we found overgrowth with the ND. And then she was like, yeah, that's great. It didn't show up at all. Yeah, you don't have that. But you're, it looks like a Christmas tree slid up your report. So you have other things going on. So we did that. There was a lot of histamine issue. And if once I got my histamine under control, that mobility issue in the joints went away. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Within, within a week, we changed my diet. She's like, you're going on like temporarily, but cut out some of that histamine. It was fun. She's and the other thing she said, she's like, you, you should start considering putting animal foods back into your diet, which I have to say, I fought for a long time. Of course. Because it was a thing. I was like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to follow the protocol, but that was one that was big for me. Yeah. Um, awesome. I'm just so glad to see that you're doing better. I'm glad that the FDN system could even help with uh, something like this. How did this develop into a passion for the sleep side of things? I totally can see the connection right now between the burnout side. Um, but I mean, sleep is a main part of what you're doing. It's like the thing. So how did you develop the passion for that? I understand sleep used to be my superpower. Like in my twenties, I go to bed at 9 PM hit the pillow, fall asleep, be up at six o'clock before the alarm and go every night like clockwork. And then that went away with the burnout. And I couldn't understand why. And I couldn't get it back on track really consistently. And then once we started putting all the puzzle pieces together, so look at my gut health, get my hormones sorted, I could see my sleep coming back. Not just did my energy come up and I could do more, better, healthier things during the day, but my sleep got better. And I was like, what is one thing that I could talk to people about? Like a lot. I'm like, it's sleep because I, I love sleep. It's so important for me. And if I don't get sleep, don't be around me. Like <laughs> I really need it. And um, so I was like, yeah, this is actually great. So and then I had the opportunity to work with somebody else, um, a form, uh, an FDN to kind of teach me and, and guide me a little. And, and then I took it from there. And I'm just seeing even just from like now reflecting back on my corporate career, I see so many women struggle mm -hmm. with this. So yeah, we all just sometimes need a little help there. And that's why and I just love giving the ladies that sleep and that energy back. Excellent. So I'd love to, you know, spend some time focusing on this. Cause again, this is something that even if people are in the functional or natural medicine spaces, uh, it, 
yes, sometimes there's just bad habits, but oftentimes it's like, no, I actually do want to sleep. I wish I could get restful, um, truly restorative, you know, sleep every night, but it doesn't always happen. So, you know, with the people that you are working with and the companies working with, what are some common themes maybe that you're seeing in the people uh, that have these sleep issues? Um, and I don't want to ask two questions in one here, but I, I guess I actually should have started with this one. What do you see more often? Is it the people that can't fall asleep or is it the people that can't stay asleep or do you kind of see both in in general? So I'll start with that question. I see both, but I see more people who have trouble sleeping through the night. Okay. So they might be able to fall asleep. So the waking up is more the problem than the falling asleep. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But then they're waking up maybe a few hours into sleep or something like that. Yeah, the classic, it's the classic, basically one to three o'clock window, mm -hmm. and then they can't fall back asleep. And then it's like, oh, it's 430. I might as well get up because at 530, the alarm rings, and then you're sleep deprived for the rest of the week, right? It, it's the worst. And, you know, I'm admittedly, if I'm highly stressed, thankfully, that's not often nowadays, but if I'm highly stressed, I'm still subject to that uh, very rarely, but occasionally. And it's the worst thing in the world, because not only did the stress probably cause you to even wake up at that time, but now you're more stressed because the whole time I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I got to be up the next day. There was a, a time in the last few years where uh, my full time thing was speaking in schools. So mm -hmm. I already had to be up at 5 a.m. or 530 a lot of mm -hmm. times. And if that happened, big presentation the next day and I'm feeling it, I'm like, it is one o'clock. I have gotten you know a few hours of sleep and I have to leave in four hours. Something's not adding up here. This is not good. Um, so it's kind of like the self-fulfilling thing that now it stresses you out once you're awake. It's very hard to fall back asleep. But you, you mentioned something that I think is interesting. You said that classic one to three window. So um, you know, in your research and the things that you've learned, why is that the window that's a classic window. Like why are people not just waking up after an hour of falling asleep or whatever? Like why are people waking up at that time of night? Well, often we have, cause we need something that's called sleep pressure to fall asleep. So we need to be tired. Mm -hmm. Um, and often we are really tired. Like I always thought the, um, hitting the pillow and being out immediately is great because that's what I used to do no that's a sign of exhaustion already so but we often have that we are exhausted enough so we fall asleep but then our body's doing things that prevent us from connecting those sleep cycles and sleeping through and then the one o'clock to three o'clock can be multiple things it can be blood sugar instabilities it can be stress, anxiety, something like that is something that can happen. It can be if we're looking at women, specifically body temperature being too high, like body temperature rising, waking us up. And it can be um, if you look at Chinese medicine, that's the time of the liver kind of. And I see so many women and I myself, I'm one of them. Like my liver needs a lot of love. I don't know why I was never big on medications or alcohol or anything, but my liver needs support. So those are big things that I see. And, um, when you get those sorted in a lot of cases that will already help another one, a big one, people don't want to hear it. And it freaks them out. If it's especially around the full moon parasites, I know it sounds gross. People always say we don't have them. You'd be surprised if you run some stool testing. You find some. And the other thing that I also often see, um, candida overgrowth. Hmm. If you have high candida levels, you also often struggle with sleep. 
the parasite one in particular, actually all the stuff that like the little critters in the gut, I think that's the one because I remember that when I first learned that in FDN, that was a new concept to me. I did not understand that an otherwise average person could have a parasite. Like I thought this was something that happened in places that were impoverished or maybe didn't have access to clean water. I had no idea this was a global issue. I was very ignorant. Um, and it is a, it's a huge ignorance that many people have. So it's kind of like, you're like, wait a second, what I can have this and be working on a daily basis. And like, some people are healthy. Uh, they feel healthy at least. And they have these things. So yes, guys, that actually does happen. Uh, there's two comments I, I didn't want to miss. So just a quick side note here. Uh, someone brought up a great point about Canada in particular, because it, I, I guess they reside there. They mentioned how since insurance is just going to cover a certain type of healthcare, that's the default where people go, even if they maybe wanted to do something natural. And yeah, maybe that's you know, I know that there's pros and cons to the system in Canada. There's pros and cons to the system in the United States where I am. Um, I suppose that for better or for worse, might be one of the pros where you're already spending money here anyway. Like no, no matter what, they're going to find some way to bill you for something. So when the naturopathic doctor or the functional medicine person tells you it's $300 a session, it's a little more than you're used to, but I'll be honest, it's not that much more. <laughs> like most, most insurances only cover so much um, and things out of pocket every time. So good point. Um, and then Joe said, same here. Once uh, she added animal protein back in, it was so good for her. Um, she don't, doesn't know why she held out for so long. So yeah, I'm in the same boat. And I actually, I really wanted to stay on what I had as a vegetarian train for as long as I could. I thought I'd do it for the rest of my life. Um, it's probably the biggest distress that I have in my mind, because in a sense, I, I really don't want to eat it, but I can't I'd be a liar to say I don't feel better on it. And objectively on labs, I actually do a lot better too. Yeah. So um, we'll kind of break some of these down. One of the things that you talked about was the blood sugar issues. And I'm always curious, you know, because people might have heard of blood sugar issues. They're like, oh yeah, my family member has like type two diabetes or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but in terms of what that means for us as health professionals, you can still have blood sugar issues, even if you're eating otherwise good food. So why do you think, or what do you know uh, to be the cause of that? Are people eating too late at night? Are they stopping eating too early? Like what causes the blood sugar to get dysregulated in some people, you know, in the middle of the night? Cause ideally we should be able to sleep just fine and not have significant uh, blood sugar disruptions. I think there's multiple reasons and it is very individual person by person. I, th I see a lot of women, if we go back to that example, they're really busy all day. And even if they eat somewhat healthily, I find them often not eating enough. They skip meals. And then they're like, oh, but I had a protein, but well, that's not a meal. Like that's not lunch. That's maybe a snack, but that's not. So, and then they run from meeting to meeting and then they throw caffeine in there. And then your blood sugar goes on a roller coaster. And if it's not somewhat in a good space during the day, it will not be overnight. Mm. Um, and interestingly, I see both. I see blood sugar going up in the middle of the night and I see blood sugar dropping below a baseline that's healthy for the body where the body then alarms you and says hello I need mm -hmm. energy what do I do I raise cortisol to break down tissue to get energy wake up and ta -da, that's the hormone we don't want high at night right because then we can't sleep and then it takes an hour and a half to kind of break that down and that's where we have this I'm going to stare at the clock and wait to fall asleep and I can't fall asleep so it's often the what we do during the day. Are we stressing? Are we not eating enough? Um, it can also sometimes be that people eat too late. Like there are a lot of people who have their um, dinner at 9, 9.30 maybe and go to bed by 11. Like that's not great. The body needs to digest before we go to sleep, ideally most of its food. 
um, so it can actually rest. Um, then if we put some alcohol in there, some chocolate with the wine at night, you know, things that we do to just relax from a stressful day, those can all be contributors to that, that we spike our blood sugar. It's even funny, I have clients um, who do wear a continuous glucose monitor and they sometimes then find things that their body just doesn't react too well, but they would have never known. Like they're eating something that is semi-healthy um, or healthy. Like some people react to some sort of vegetable, right? And you're like, this is technically healthy, but it spikes their blood sugar if they eat it by itself, but they don't know. I mean, those things can then happen that will make blood sugar goes up. It will come down. If it drops too low, it'll wake you up. Okay. Yeah. I definitely think the eating too late is, I mean, I mean, no, there's a variety of reasons, but I definitely think the eating too late is a huge one that's often overlooked. I, I think so many people too, when you talk to them, uh, there's a couple of reasons. They'll be like, well, one, I just don't have the time. I mean, fair enough. We need to learn how to make the time, but that's besides the point. But two, they're also like, well, I feel so sleepy after I eat. Like it just helps me like, you know, they get that food coma yeah. and I'm like, all right, that might've been good for like a midday nap. That is not what we want to do to fall asleep for hopefully what would have been eight hours at night. Um, you know, if I have a meal, I, I really cannot do it. Like if I have a meal late, mm -hmm. once I started learning to listen to my body and stuff, I'm like, oh, that's why I'm waking up at 2 a.m. Because I had a steak at 9 p.m. Like if I have any, especially meat, like if I have a heavier meal at 9, it's game over. I'm going to wake up that night. Um, and then I end up in one of those situations, right, where I'm like screwed for the next day and I'm all stressed out. So exactly. Yeah. But you can also have because you were asking the question, the one is the too late, but I but sometimes it's also the too early. Sure. Right. If you eat too early and your body doesn't have enough energy because you maybe didn't eat enough for dinner or overall throughout the day, that could also cause it. And then there's always the discussion about should we have a bedtime snack? Yes or no. And I know there's very split opinions about that because mm -hmm. in the functional world, a lot of people would argue this person has a blood sugar regulation problem. We shouldn't band-aid the blood sugar regulation problem with a bedtime snack, which I generally agree with. However, if somebody doesn't sleep. I want them sleeping because to me, that's the foundation to heal everything else. Pros so I'm going to put the Band-Aid in if it works to get them over that hump and not have them wake up. We'll then work on blood sugar stabilizing throughout the day yeah. when they're in a better space and not sleep deprived and start going for carbs and processed junk because their body is just craving energy. Mm -hmm. We haven't mentioned this yet. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are or expertise is around this, if any. What do you do for clients around light and nighttime routines? Because I, I think most people that would listen to a podcast like this are kind of aware, all right, you know, don't go stare at, um, you know, a Walmart light like overhead in the middle of the night. They get that that's a bad idea. Uh, but then there's a huge debate between that extreme and like living in complete darkness. Most people aren't going to do that. So how do you help or what do you suggest to clients? Um, do you use like the blue light blocking glasses? Do you have them get into some type of routine? What are some tips that people can take away from that? I think there's, when it comes to light, there's two things. Um, it's light and darkness, right? That's how cortisol and melatonin work in the body for your circadian rhythm. So get that morning light. When you wake up and the sun starts rising, get outside for 10 minutes and get that natural light. And if it's still dark, cause it's still winter, make it as bright in your house as you can in the morning. And there I want the overhead lights and I want that bright light. Um, and then go outside several times for a few minutes throughout the day. And this sounds stupid, but a lot of us work in offices where we never do that throughout the day mm -hmm. 
because that keeps giving your brain that information of, oh, this is what time it is now. This is what time it is now. This is what time it is now. And then it knows when to release melatonin at night. Once the sun sets and it gets a little gloomy inside and you're like, oh, should I be turning all those lights on again from the morning? Not necessarily. I would try to have lights that are, if you can, on dimmers. I would have lights that are not LED, if you can, just so we don't have that blue light, have more of a hue of an orange hue, if you can, because you still want to see what you're eating on your plate, right? Like you don't want to see in complete darkness. If you want to, if you're somebody who enjoys candles, great. Candlelight's amazing. Um, blue light blocking glasses, yes, for people, um, uh, to me, I use them more with people who have trouble falling asleep. Um, to get the melatonin levels up, um, but anybody can use them. They're not at all harmful. They're great. And some people get a little annoyed with the looking through that orange, which I, I get it, right? Um, one more thing that I've started doing is there's red tape you can buy on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Tape up your um, clocks, tape up, you can even tape up the light in your fridge because that's hardcore blue light at night. You'll see it. Um, and then really, if you use phones, which we know we shouldn't be using too close to bedtime, but I know people sometimes do dim those, put blue light protecting screens on those, um, just so you don't have that massive, massive light at night, because that is one big contributor to, um, decreased melatonin levels for sure. Sure. We talked about parasites, candida, and we actually kind of joked because some people might not even be aware that these are th like, especially the parasites. Oh wait, I can have a parasite and still be, you know, living in Canada, living in America, wherever it might be. Yes. Not only can you have it, it could be affecting your sleep. Um, I'm sure many people that would even listen to something like this might be unaware of the connection there. So, um, let's, let's just assume that they've now had their world rocked and they're like, wow, I could have a parasite, you know, chilling out in my gut town there. How can that affect their sleep though? Can we combine those, um, things together? Yes. So parasites are a nocturnal. So they're act more active at night than they're doing the day and they eat and they excrete stuff, right? They digest what they eat in your gut. And then all that creates a toxic environment in your gut. And that can create inflammation and that raises cortisol is one of the body's strongest inflammatory agents that we have. And the body's going to raise cortisol to say, hello, I'm going to fight all this inflammation. And if you then have a leaky gut, so the permeability of your gut lining might be compromised as well, then you have systemic inflammation in the body and then your cortisol kind of freaks out. And then it, um, yeah, it just really suppresses your melatonin to do its job properly and it can wake you up. And um, yeah, talking about in Canada, I did never had, I've done, I think four GI maps in the last few years. I never had a parasite. Two years ago, my sleep was starting to become off after my son had surgeries. And we were at a hospital for a week and we come home and had to take care of them, had crappy sleep, but we kind of woke up in the night, took care of him, would roll over and fall back to sleep. And all of a sudden that went away. And I was like, why am I up? Why am I not sleeping again? And I took a GI map and guess what came back? Blasto. I'm like, great. I was nowhere. I didn't travel. I was at the hospital for a week. Yeah. It's the number one place to go get some interesting <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> We got 30 of you live. Please feel free to throw in any questions that you might have for the last like 12 minutes that we got on the podcast. We had Tracy say, what would cause a woman's temperature to rise too high or so high, excuse me, that it wakes them up in the middle of the night? 
Well, there could be multiple things. One reason could just be that the room temperature in the bedroom is relatively warm and just overnight you're under duvets potentially made from polyester and like plasticky fabrics. You're wearing flannel pajamas, which is not a natural fiber. Um, and it just gets too warm and that just wakes you up. So number one, your bedroom temperature. If you've had alcohol, it dilates your blood vessels. So it will make you potentially um, be warmer and hormones, right? If we're talking about perimenopause, menopause, a lot of women struggle with hot flashes, night sweats, that kind of stuff. And that for sure keeps can wake women up, even if it's not a full blown night sweat that you're like, I have to change my pajamas now. But even just a little bit of raising in body temperature can happen with that for sure. Okay. I have an interesting one for you because I actually, I, I, this was not, sometimes when I mention studies, I really do my due diligence to like actually go to the study itself, whatever. This was something that I read in an article. So that's my disclaimer. I didn't check the source or anything like that. Um, but it was a study showing that people that sleep together. So like couples, for example, right. That sleep together, they report sleeping better but when they're tracked, their sleep's actually worse. So it's almost like I'm more comfortable, but their sleep is actually worse. So um, I'm really curious if you have any insights or advice for that type of stuff. Like some people would say, there's no way I'm not going to sleep with my partner. I'm not going to give that up. But is that ever something that you discuss or talk about when people have sleep issues? A lot, actually. And um, a lot of women say, my husband's a radiator. <laughs> said by Kenya, yeah, that could be one of those too, right? And I think if you have the, I, I discuss that with clients a lot because society, like the society kind of tells you, no, when you're married, you're sleeping in one bed. If you're not, or even potentially sleeping in separate rooms, unless you're maybe on shift schedules that are opposite, mm -hmm. um, that's a sign your marriage isn't going well. Like whoever came up with that? Um, or why do we think that's even true? To me, that's a very individual discussion to have, right? But if you have the feeling that your husband's body temperature, his moving in bed, his snoring, and I'm talking for women now, but you can turn this around for men as well, right? If we have men watching, just because I work mostly with women. Have that discussion. I think that's really important to see how can both of you get great sleep because that's, that's that's all you're doing, sleep. Like everything else you can do during the day with better energy. Mm -hmm. um, there's, But you need to get your sleep in. And if you feel that your partner is compromising your sleep, even though that's not their intention, but that is how they sleep, have that conversation potentially and maybe give it a try. Like either separate beds in the same room if the room allows it, that's something you would like. Or what if I sleep somewhere else for a couple of nights and see if that's better? And maybe it's not even seven days a week. Maybe it's a couple of nights a week just to get some more sleep or just to get used to it. Um, there's a great book. It's called Sharing Covers. Hmm. Um, to, to look into that, to, to like learn a little bit about more if okay. you think that might be one of your um, one of your reasons, but it for sure can be a contributor sleeping in a bed with somebody else where that could be interfering. Sharing covers. Thanks. Good recommendation. I've never, uh, I love when I get recommended things on this show that I haven't even heard of before. So that sounds awesome. Um, you know, and just to be transparent, my fiance and I, we've had to work through this ourselves because she loves her cuddles and she would cuddle 24 hours a day if she could, right? If someone would pay her to do that. Um, myself, it's like, it's not that I don't like it, but it's like, I really, 
it took everything to get myself on a somewhat normalized sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, I need pitch black. I need the same mm-hmm. temperature every night, all this stuff. Um, sleep was the one of the hardest things for me to nail down in health. It probably was the hardest thing for me to nail down in health. And so we've had to work out different things where it's like, okay, um, we have a setup right now where we're actually like connected. These two rooms are connected, but she has her thing and I have my thing. Mm-hmm. And is it seven nights a week? No, there, there's plenty of nights where we're like, all right, screw it. Let's just you know sleep together. Like maybe we were already out late. We're like, all right, it's already going to be tough. Let's just do it anyway. Um, and then you're already so exhausted that it doesn't matter. Um, or we have a weighted blanket now. So she'll use the weighted blanket because she gets cold. I'm way too hot. <laughs> so I'm like sleeping next to the window in 30 degree weather, keeping it open a little bit. And she's in the weighted blanket. So it's just, it's figuring out those compromises. Something that we all love is a partner that is happy to see us. And when they are well rested, they're generally happy to see us. So it's, it's an investment guys. Trust me. Um, do have some questions. Well, comments and a question. As someone said, I go, I'm going through menopause and get way too hot in the middle of the night. I feel like the bed is on fire. I have used bamboo pajamas, cotton PJs, and sometimes sleep naked, but I still wake up. Um, they didn't necessarily ask for advice, but I'd like to ask it for them. So for someone in that situation, going through menopause, way too hot, they've taken all the clothes off and it's still not working. Um, is there any like little hacks you have for that? Well, the one thing is try your room temperature. Like, can you, and then there's again the question, well, what's the temperature your partner sleeps at? If you have a partner, can you drop your room temperature a little more? Hmm. Um, number one, another thing that sometimes works for women in perimenopause, or menopause when we have night sweats, put a fan next to your bed. It's also like white noise. It kind of helps sometimes with sleep, but really have air moving in the room. Um, so it does, it does keep the cooler air on the system. There are pajamas that are temperature regulating that are actually great. Um, and I'm, I've tried them. They're like, do you want to try Like, sure, I'll try them. They're awesome. Like they actually work. So if you have night sweats, it really helps like get rid of the, the wetness from the body and it really helps women sleep better. Um, those are things um, sometimes, and it sounds like a bit of a funny advice, but it works for a lot of women. If you wear cotton socks in bed, it helps regulate the temperature better. Hmm. We're like, what? it does uh, because the, often the feet stick out and then the temperature from the feet is different from the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. And then if you have cotton socks that uh, try it out, it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for a lot of women in menopause that that helps the body temperature be more consistent. It's very cool. Thank you. Uh, next question. Do you see toxin loads, I guess, high toxin loads as a common cause of sleep problems? Mm-hmm. And that's linked to that liver hour, right? If we talk Chinese medicine, um, and yes, I, I see that a lot that women or, or also men, if you think about how old you are, your liver's done its job every day and is still doing it and has been exposed to tons of toxins, then we might be on birth control. We might be taking painkillers. Uh, we're drinking alcohol, maybe pesticides, herbicides, whatever is in the food and water that we consume. All that needs to be processed. And there often I often see the liver being sluggish, I would say, and in need of a bit of love and support, and then it can do a lot better. Okay. Um, I guess this is just a interesting question to ask, and I'm sure this is more anecdotal in your experience with your clients, but someone said, which is more likely the cause of the waking up at one to 3 AM, assuming it's blood sugar at all, would low blood sugar be more likely or high blood sugar be more likely to cause it? Or what do you see most might be the better way to ask? What I see more is low. Okay. 
But, and you know what? And I've worked with men too. I see actually more high in men and more low in women. I don't know if there's, this is not a big study of people, right? But interestingly, I do. Very cool. All right. Oh, this person said they, uh, the person that's dealing with the menopause has a fan in the room is 62 degrees. Oh my goodness. I feel like, um, in that case, if it's something that cold now, listen, I don't know this person or know their personal situation, obviously, but would you say in that sense, I feel like that's where the lab testing can really help. Cause to me, that's yeah. almost like the, and I always have to be careful saying this as a guy, there are women on this podcast. They come on, they say, I'm just regurgitating. They talk about how they believe like periods should generally speaking, painless. They shouldn't be something that, you know, takes the person out of work or takes the person out of school when they're a teenager. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, would that not relate here to menopause? If we looked at the hormones and maybe there were some things to balance there, maybe the transition would be gentler. I'm sure it's never going to be fun per se. Uh, but what do you think about that before I get myself in trouble here as a 28 year old dude saying this? Um, so is your question, are, is our sleep issues just part of the journey yeah, in menopause? I'm saying that if, well, I guess to a degree, I'm also asking like if someone is sleeping, I mean, 62 degrees is freezing, fan yeah. is going to make it even worse or even stronger, I guess, that it's cold. And if you're you still think sweating like more crazy, going on it there? wakes you up. Yes, it is. There is likely. And is there a hormonal imbalance in perimenopause and menopause? Yes, of course there is. Um, right. And we just try to mitigate that a little. Um, and yeah, it might. In that case, I totally agree with you. That is getting a bit cold. And it could be that there are just some things that your estrogens may be too low or that you're like in because we know progesterone has gone but um <laughs> maybe your estrogen is also just too low and maybe there's something to look into to if that would be something that could could be supported or there is something else that causing it but it could it could be hormonal yeah oh i missed this one diane had said our cats are our biggest issues yeah okay. animals are huge when yeah. i first met maddie um, she had a dog. She still has a dog. And then we moved in together. This dog is 94 pounds and the dog comes into the bedroom and she's acting like this thing's going to sleep. I'm like, he's going to sleep on the bed. And I'm like, okay, so I just go out there, right? I go sleep on the couch. And she's like, well, no, I want everyone to be here. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that it's a small horse, first of all. And second of all, the thing is so hot that even when we let him sleep at the foot of the bed, the entire temperature of the room changes just because he's in there, let alone if the 94 pound animal is sleeping in between us, like a third human, uh, basically in the bed. I'm like, oh my goodness. So totally get that. Um, yeah, cats don't sound fun either. They're always going after something, right? And they'll probably climb right on your face. So with all this said, as we kind of, um, we're going to go a little bit over, it's totally fine. Um, as we're wrapping up here, I always like to ask about just client testimonials, right? It's one thing to hear about people who get on here and share their own personal stories. That's amazing. Uh, but I think sometimes the audience might look at us as like anomalies. Oh, well, not everyone's going to do that. But the truth of the matter is we're, we're working with people all the time um, and we can help people that don't want to do this as work get better. So I'm just curious for someone like you who focuses on the sleep side and the burnout side, uh, to the degree that you're able to share for privacy's sake, are there any clients or a client that sticks out that was just like at the end of the rope, they came to you and now it's really been uh, a wildly transformational experience for them? Yes. Um, and I'm absolutely allowed to share okay. her story. Carrie. Carrie was, I think, 37 when she came to me. She's really like successful, runs a big team. Um, she works in like IT, digital in the digital world. Um, and she had not slept for more than two to four hours a night for 15 years. Meanwhile, she'd been to university. She's a mom. The daughter was about five at that time. 
and she had tried everything. She had um, tried, yeah, really edibles, everything that is out there that would, and she was really struggling. And, and she was like, my moods are really down. Like you're my last resort before I'm going to go on to antidepressants because my doctors literally tell me to meditate more. Um, she was also diagnosed with celiacs right before she came to me. And they basically gave her a pamphlet that says eat gluten-free and that was it. And she's like, you know what? I don't even think wheat's my problem. I think dairy's my problem. I'm like, oh, okay, let's dive into that. And um, so, so we worked together. Within weeks, we had her have energy before she had her test results back. Within, And she has a testimonial on my website, so you can read about that. And um, she, like five months in, she was sleeping six to eight hours a night. Mm -hmm. There was no antidepressants. She's like, my mood, my mood issues are zero. I don't have depression anymore. I'm fine. I'm finally not. That was her thing. I was like, why do you want to work on this? She's like, I'm so young. I have so much time on this planet. I want to enjoy my family without faking it every day because I just can't do other than fake it because I'm exhausted. And um, her, it was funny. Her mom had, had a new partner. And um, he'd been with the family for a while, but she she was like telling him that she'd work with me. And he was like, what? You hadn't slept for that long? I never noticed. She's like, I was great faking it, wasn't I? And like, like that's just that's just where I'm like, no, ladies, we can like we don't need to do that. We don't need to struggle through that like that. It's not healthy. And yeah, so she's st actually still for years now. She's still with me. She's like, I'm working with you. I want to do like annual stuff because nice. he, he, like that's what she said for, for in the testimonial. She's like, you know me better than any doctor I've ever been with. It's like a dream client. That's awesome. Yeah, she's, I love her. <laughs> nice. Oh, so cool. All right, my friend. So as we're wrapping up here, where can people find you if, you know, they are not into this stuff at all and want to get into it for the first time, or maybe they are a functional health oriented person, but they're still having some trouble and need the extra guidance. Where can they find you and what you do? Website is sleeplikeaboss.com. Um, sleep like a boss on Facebook and on Instagram. It's at underscore Anika Carroll. Mm -hmm. And I do have a YouTube channel where I have my post uh, podcast, the sleep like a boss podcast. And we have the videos like you're doing um, on there. And then we, I talk to a lot of people in the functional health world on anything that could be related to your sleep or your energy issues. Mm -hmm. So if you want to check that out, feel free. Excellent. Thank you so much. Now, our signature question on the show is a little more general. Today we're talking about sleep, but obviously anyone who's an FDN and in this health space is qualified to answer this next question. And so our final question for today will be, if I could give you a magic wand you could wave it and get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health in general. So that means you can force us all to start doing one thing, or you can force us all to stop doing one thing. What is the one thing that you get us to do? I get you to do one thing every day that puts a smile on your face and that when you're in bed at night, you can look back at it and say, awesome, the day sucked, but that was great. I love answers like this because we get people that come. I mean, you gave so much information today, obviously knowledgeable about this. And it's always the people that you can tell have the most knowledge about functional medicine, natural health in their head that give the seemingly simplest answers. And it's because they're not simple, right? If you can nail these things down, uh, you might not even, even have never needed people that do lab testing, but that's besides the point. Um, if we nail these simple things, 
down for the most of our lives, I think so much of us or so many of us would be better off. So thank you so much for coming on today. I love what you're doing. I would have needed someone like you uh, years ago. I wish I knew about this type of stuff because again, even if you've been in this space for a while, it's a, a thing that a lot of people struggle with. So we appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. <laughs>